Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. We did a little bit of a different intro today. I think you guys are going to see that pretty soon. We're going to start running that in the background. But today is Monday. It's July the 31st. I want to welcome you to our show. I've been kind of musing all weekend about the idea of an empire in decline. And it's not a very good thought. It's actually a very sobering thought. So I, this is probably my second week in a row starting you off with a little bit of negativity. Uh, but that's not the intention. I think that it's we have to be aware of the situation that we face if we're going to be serious and if we are going to deal with the problems that are in front of us. And one of the quotes that has stuck with me over the years, and I originally thought this was actually Oscar Wilde who said it, but I've been looking it up and it seems like it was Norman Mailer, is a quote about the great American cities. And I want you to picture these cities in your mind as I read this quote to you. And we're going to go on and discuss. We're going to discuss what's going on instead of what is said here. So Norman Mailer said, Chicago is the great American city. New York is one of the capitals of the world. And Los Angeles is a constellation of plastic. San Francisco is a lady. Pretty sad. I want you to kind of focus on that for a second. We're going to go and address each one of those cities. I think we have some things to talk about in that area. It is a sign of a nation in decline when the great cities that are listed from not too long ago, 100 years ago or so, 50, 80 years ago, when these cities are no longer images of what the, the world saw them as. Uh, before we do that, let's do a little bit of a happier note. Let's talk about our friends over at Catholic Vote. Say thank you to our sponsors who are making this podcast happen. Uh, right here is the loop. You can sign up for it today. You just go in there, as you can see on the screen, if you're following us on the Rumble channel, you simply put in your, your name, your email address, your zip code. You don't need to put in a phone number and sign right up. And when you do, you're going to get something at about 5 a.m. every morning. I'm actually holding my phone right here, as you can see on the screen. This is the loop. It comes to me every single day. I'm going to run through some of these headlines again. I think that you could literally do an entire Kyle Serafin show off this loop. So let's talk about some of their headlines. July the 31st, they say that Biden finally acknowledged his granddaughter. We're not going to be talking about that today, but go read about it. He did, in fact, publicly state that he acknowledges his granddaughter, Navy, the illegitimate ch um, child of Hunter, and uh, a young lady who actually seemed... Like she had a promising career. She was a sports player in, in D.C. and then uh, ended up doing some stripping and so on. So that's kind of sad. Uh, talks about uh, DeSantis firing back about the quote-unquote lies in the curriculum. This was a big hot topic on Twitter spaces over the weekend. People were trying to decide whether or not uh, DeSantis and the people that were putting together the Florida campaign are racist because they said that there were certain hard skills that were learned by slaves. There's a debate going on there. I'm not going to get into it. I think it's actually uninteresting. It's uh, distracting from the main thing. Real crazy stuff coming out of the weekend, which we're not going to cover here today, but DOJ actually moved to jail a key witness against Hunter Biden, a guy named Devin Archer, who was both his friend and business partner and has been convicted of fraud. DOJ asked for him to go to jail. Uh, he may be testifying today, so we'll be covering that probably tomorrow a little bit. Uh, New York City leaders, we are going to be covering this. They're at a breaking point with over 90,000 illegal aliens. As you guys may have seen from our show last week, we talked to Carlos, and uh, 90,000 illegal aliens have been added to the New York City uh, street people and hotel dwellers since last spring. So worth looking into that. They're talking about the threat of Chinese malware and the, uh, the infrastructure in the United States. This is something that we will touch on just a little bit today. The Chinese are the real threat that we are not addressing. When we're busy... 
uh, mucking around with what's been going on in politics and playing around with whether or not our uh, our federal government is weaponized against us. The, the other countries are taking notice and they are doing things and the Chinese are one of them. We'll talk about one of the scary things and you can read about the malware threat there. Anti-woke apparel brands launching and a couple of other things, Mike Pence. God's not done with America. I do agree with that, although I'm not, not a big Mike Pence fan. So uh, get the loop, folks. Get it sent to your phone. Get it sent to your email account. And then, you know, you've got a couple of things you can read throughout the day. You're always going to want to have that. It'll loop you in. We're appreciative. That's a, a long-form promo, promo only because uh, I really do like what they're about. And I think that it's a, an addition to your life. And then we'll also say thanks to our friends over at Patriot Coolers. There's a, a link in the show description right now. As you can see, patriotcoolers.com. You can actually go to the link that is listed below. And you don't even have to type in the promo code, which is K-Y-L-E. K-Y-L-E gets you 10% off. Uh, and it'll free shipping over... Over 50 bucks. I know my friends over there in the chat are going to let us know that we need to free the cup. Uh, Ryan, do you want to give them an update on the free cup status? The cup is in route, man. I can't wait. I'm not putting in my two weeks after all, buddy. <laughs> we got the cup shipped right after you guys shaved me on it in the chat. Uh, we sent we sent it all over. And uh, here's mine. This is one of mine. It's got a smoothie in it right now, which is going to keep me from getting grouchy later on. But Ryan's cup is inbound. He has the same cup inbound that producer Phil had. It's the American flag one. So you'll be seeing that very soon. Uh, <laughs> it's getting the, the, the sign of approval from our friend Ryan Matta. Uh, and if you're not following Ryan Matta on Twitter, I'll make a shameless plug for him. Ryan Matta Media, at Ryan Matta Media on Twitter. Please check him out as well. We've been doing some Twitter space together. If you're not following us there, it's where our biggest audience is. And we do a lot of uh, a lot of engagement, and uh, he's got a lot of good information and a lot of great videos. As you guys can see, he's been stepping up the video production for the Kyle Serafin Show. So, okay, Chicago is the great American city. New York City is the capital of the world. Los Angeles is a constellation of plastic. San Francisco is a lady. I always remember these things when I think about this country. When I look at a map of the United States, it goes from from the center to the right to the left, east to west. And it talks about what's going on. What's going on in Chicago right now, folks? What's that all about? So I didn't add this to our list, but uh, Hey Jackass is, of course, one of the few websites that we are regularly checking on for you so you know what's happening. I'm going to switch camera views here. The uh, Hey Jackass, I'm going to literally pull it up right now so we get real-time information. Some of the saddest things are going on in the great American city, Chicago. There's other people that have said the thing they love about it. I think Michael Douglas said the thing he loves about uh, Chicago is that it is a city that is always working, that other cities are doing different things. Well, this is a city that's working to get to the highest homicide rates. In July alone right now, our statistics look like this. We are at the end of the month, and up to date, 49 people have been shot and killed, a total of 57 homicides in Chicago during this month in the last 31 days. Just almost two people a day are being murdered in the city of Chicago, the great American city. Uh, 294 shot and wounded and a total peep number of people that have been shot is 343 this is just the top of the uh of the bunch here this is the top headline and for this last week which doesn't even include most of the weekend 11 total homicides in seven days 56 people have been shot and those numbers are down 56 people have been shot in the city of chicago in seven days and that's a 40 percent reduction from the last year do you know how terrible that feels? Year to date right now, 376 total homicides in that city. This is a city, folks. It's doing worse than many entire states. The so-called great American city. It's just tragic on every level. And when you look at the total number of people that have been shot so far this year, 1,802, okay? 
that makes me sad at such a level. I remember visiting Chicago when I was looking uh, at colleges and it looked like it was one of those great things. I actually felt like it was in fact the great American city. So much promise. It's on the, the shores of like Michigan. It's, it's got storied history for music and comedy and entertainment and fashion and business. It's got all the things going on in the middle of America. It would have been my argument 20 years ago where you should move something like the FBI's headquarters. Hey Not Kyle, how many, how many people do you think are dying in the war in Ukraine? every day are more people dying in American cities because of drugs and fentanyl than are dying in wars right now. That's a great number to look up. We'll have to look that up. The, the number I've heard is something like 600 a day are dying in Ukraine. I don't know that that's the fact that's on the Ukrainian side. So that's the numbers that were reported to me. Pretty awful stuff. I actually can't validate that because I think the numbers that we're catching from Ukraine are so skewed that we're only catching the propaganda of it. And those things are coming from my friends who have actually been over there, former uh, special operations troops. So scary stuff, sad stuff. Um, numbers that we'll have to look into, but are we, are we focusing on the wrong things? It's actually one of the seven signs of decline of an empire. Um, I want to go into New York city. We, we held a whole space on this last night. I didn't record it on purpose, folks. If you ever catch my Twitter spaces, I generally speaking, do not record them. And there's a reason why there's an imminence to having a conversation with other people in that venue, in that forum. I want people to be able to speak freely. I want them to be able to say the thing that they say at that moment that is true at that moment and can't be taken out of context another time. And in that way, we lose some of these great conversations and people who were in there, I think, know it. But we're focusing on New York City, which is uh, one of my least favorite places in America. But it's sad because it should have been one of the great places that every American should love. It's not anymore. It says uh, in this quote, this Norman Mailer quote, New York is one of the capitals of the world. And maybe that has been true, but it is a capital in decline in the same way that I think the Roman Empire started to see Rome decline. We're going to talk on that. Let's run some video from my childhood, if you would. This is video clip number one. This is what people used to imagine a cartoon version of New York City looked like when I was growing up. For God's sake, Harry. Can we please just get a taxi? We're trying to get a taxi. We're going the wrong way. Jimmy, put that away. We look like tourists. Hi, honey. We'll never get a cab. Let's cut over to 7th. 7th is that way. I know where we are. So if you're watching on the Rumble channel, you're seeing what we're talking about here. That's, of course, the opening scene from Batman, the 1989 classic that Tim Burton did. One of my favorite movies, one of the great performances of Batman, maybe the greatest performance of Batman uh, done by Michael Keaton, who is a fantastic actor. Uh, that opening scene shows you kind of the kind of the rugged and the, and the grittiness that we all kind of imagine. It's kind of like a throwback 1950s view. You got people walking around in overcoats and top hats. The way that we kind of think the uh, classic era of the uh, of the American city look like. But the underbelly of it's got steam coming out of all the, 
all of the uh, manhole covers, and you got these uh, scumbags out there with uh, revolvers taking money from ladies and pulling their pearls and all this kind of stuff. Great scene. But we might be back to that. Now, my wife grew up in New York City during the 1980s and 90s, and she remembers the graffiti that was all over the uh, the subway cars and and sort of the the danger that existed there, although I think she was largely unaware of it, that it was actually dangerous to her. It's one of those uh, brilliant things about being a youth. You can walk around in the world and you just sort of ignore the actual dangers. But that was the way that that New York was. And they cleaned up their act in such a big way. In many ways, I think people would argue it's because what Giuliani did, this was the, uh, the window pane policing, the thing where you allow police officers to get out there and be proactive, you back them up. And sometimes they're a little bit overactive, uh, but the end result is, is that you have a city that doesn't look like what we just saw. And we've gotten away from that. And so we're going to play video cup number two. We've had a, a conversation yesterday on our, our, on our um, Twitter space with a guy named Leroy, and he has a series of videos that are on his page. These are all credited to Leroy Press, at Leroy Press, or you can follow him, I think, at Viral News NYC if you're in the New York area. So let's go ahead and run that second video. And this is the stuff that we're actually seeing in New York City right now. And I'm watching you in the live chat right now. Many of you people are shocked by the visual that we're seeing right there. This is a visual folks so if you're listening and the uh the replay you're definitely going to want to take a look at this video what we're seeing is something that will shock you these are all different angles of different ends of the streets these are around the roosevelt hotel is uh what it's tagged as these are people who are literally laying on the street on on cardboard that are looking an awful lot like that stuff that we just saw in that batman movie clip um, but they're all people from other countries. In the Batman clip, of course, we have sort of guys who look like they've got facial diseases. The, you know, Tim Burton is the master of doing makeup artists and things like that. He's famous for things like uh, Edward Scissorhand and, and some of the other kind of great makeup jobs. And so you see all the bad guys are white guys in, uh, in the Tim Burton movie. That's the people that were out there, the street punks that are taking money and things like that. In this case, we have a bunch of people from Latin America and other places, uh, as described in our interview with Carlos the other day. So go ahead and you can check that out. It's actually pinned on my Twitter account. Uh, we're seeing people, there's trash. There are baggies that are from, you know, chips and, and other sort of uh, disposable goods that are all over the place. You've got uh, fast food wrappers and things, and it's just littering the ground everywhere. Now, New York has always had issues with that, I think. It's always had streets that weren't always the cleanest because there's so many people there. But when you have hundreds and thousands of people that are literally sleeping on the streets because they're overflowing from these hotels, and then they're also living in these hotels packed in 5,000 deep and destroying formerly five-star hotels or four-star hotels. Uh, we had Miss G, who's in the chat. She was joining us the other night, and one of the tweets that she put out there was essentially that most people who live in the New York area would not be able to go and afford a nice night out at the Row NYC. And we have migrants living there for nothing. And they're plugging in their air fryers and they're beating up this, you know, ancient uh, infrastructure of the hotel 
that doesn't handle the the load, the electric load of a bunch of people that are trying to um, they're trying to cook food in their hotel rooms. Ryan's running you some stuff of Pennsylvania. This is in uh, in Philly. This is Kensington. So this is a bunch of people that are looking like zombies as well. There's unlimited footage right now of what's been going on in American cities. And it's some of the saddest stuff that you'll ever see. Uh, another great visual here. I think we're going to roll down to a video number six. I want to make sure we're looking at the right video here, Ryan. Uh, video number six is yet another piece. Same same um, original source. This is Viral News NYC. If you'll roll video six, we're just going to show a couple of these things here. very expensive hotel. We're just cutting the audio because you're, all you're seeing is a bunch of people standing up there. There are tiny children there. It looks like two and three-year-olds standing there with their mothers, and apparently they were prioritizing women and children getting in. Um, we'll run the last video here of New York City, and then we're going to continue to talk about sort of the decline. Uh, if you're not following, as I said, Viral News New York, or sorry, Viral News NYC. You could definitely check these out. You'll get a whole blast of what's been going on on the streets. He's a kind of an old-school crime reporter running around and, and videoing the things. His statement was, I go where people tell me we're not supposed to go, where it's dangerous, that's where the action is. So that's that's what reporters used to do. They used to go dig up what looks bad, and then they would try and hold the powerful to account, the blue-collar work of journalism, uh, many things which you're not seeing on today's mainstream media. So you're missing it if you're not following these guys. Go ahead and roll that last video there. I think that is video number eight, and uh, we'll take a look. This is This is where they're trying to move these people off the streets into. I may just talk over it. We're going to see a bunch of buses here, folks, that we are all paying for. You want to run that video number eight, Ryan. So these are limousine buses. If you're not watching on the Rumble, what you're missing is a bunch of beautiful white buses. They look like they're probably in the 20-plus foot long range. If you've ever tried to rent out a party bus, this is what you'd be doing. Huge windows. They're all tinted out. And they are allowing people to come in off the streets and sleep in the air-conditioned space. Uh, we've counted probably maybe a half dozen of these things, and they just there's a line of them running out in front of these hotels uh, sitting there running with their lights on, just burning fuel. These are the these are the global warming people, right? They're bringing this stuff in. He's just showing the opposite angle. It's packed full of, of these, these illegal immigrants that have come into the country, filling up the seats and getting a place to get out of the heat, and more importantly, to get off the street so people can actually walk by. Pretty sad stuff. Uh, Ryan has talked about some interest in going there and getting some more of this video, so we may get some of our own. But uh, you're looking out there, even with those those buses, you still have an unlimited line of people in front of various, I'm sure, very expensive retail shops that are on the ground floor in Manhattan. Uh, just just tragic. And then, of course, we just now we're seeing a tiny little child who's hanging out there. These people have nothing to do, and there's nothing scarier and nothing more dangerous than a population of people sitting in your major urban areas with nothing to do, no, no distractions, no purpose, no uh, gainful employment and uh, and simply just being paid to exist. And that's going to lead us to what I wanted to talk about when it talks about the, the the signs of decline. Okay. And and we don't need to do Los Angeles and San Francisco. I think many of you have already seen the videos of this, but Los Angeles has equally distressing scenes of homeless people. San Francisco has a an app that tells you where to walk so you don't step in poop. And that's not a joke. You can literally, that's not a Joe Biden joke. That's a Joe Biden uh you know, <laughs> it's a Joe Biden accuracy. There's literally an app that is covering the entire city that shows you where all the poop is in San Francisco, which is incredible. Uh, and people just tag where the poop is on the sidewalk. Uh, so signs of, of a, a, a nation or an empire in decline, and the United States is definitely falling into this. I think that's the reason why the Make America Great slogan was so su 
successful to people that have looked around and seen these things. Number one is the failure of the educational system. And I think we're all sort of familiar with this. We're actually going to have Tiffany Justice on later on this week. We've already recorded an interview with her. And the sign that the school systems are not doing what they were designed to do is a big piece of it. In the Roman Empire, the original educational systems emphasized the following. Character, morality, patriotism, and social value on young people. The goal was to develop an entire person. And by doing such, by having this fully developed human being, you put out citizens, that, that meant something. Being a citizen was somebody who was part of the system that existed, and the system existed for the citizens. In fact, many people may know this, but the, even the oldest sewer covers in Rome were stamped with a Latin inscription, which basically, it was an abbreviation that said, the senates and peoples of Rome. The Senate was the ruling body. The people was who was involved in either electing them and also who had a stake in what was going on. And the public knew this. Uh, that has sort of degraded in American society in many ways. We are not teaching basic character, morality, patriotism, social values. And one of the things that we've left out, and I think a lot of people have talked about this, is civics. We've lost civics. And when you lose civics, what you've done is you've, you've not told people how the sausage is made. Most people look at our system and have no idea what the advantages and disadvantages are. They don't know why they should be proud of it or why they should be working to change or what they should even change because they don't even know how it works in the first place. All of that really dangerous. The second thing that happens in a nation in decline or, a, or an empire in decline is a, a fixation either on religion or ideology. And I would argue that leftism, and I have made this argument, leftism is in fact a religion but either way, it's still an ideology, and it's an ideology that, that doesn't have coherent tenets, and it's not compatible with the traditional American values. It is now set in opposition of the way that this country was, in fact, great. Now, America's history it has many sins and flaws, but what it did was constantly move to expand things like the franchise, expand things like opportunities, even expanding the definition of personhood. I think that was probably the original sin of slavery. And we've actually gone closer to that than we've ever been. We have some of these minor wins while people are still fighting for things like abortion. And the idea that we don't recognize babies as people is insane to me. However, that's part of the ideology, the, the religion of progressive leftism. The Romans had similar problems with that. Um, they, they began fixating on all kinds of different issues that were outside of the normal system, the, the agreed upon values. And, you know, they took on, they, they became, uh, pagans. That was sort of the, the general version of it. And then they, they moved into a thing of Christianity as they were trying to save their, uh, their declining peace. One of the things that I think is most obvious to, to these, to people in this country right now, and this is actually what inspired the name of this particular episode is a pleasure seeking behavior. Pleasure-seeking behavior. The Romans were, of course, masters of pleasure-seeking behavior. They entertained themselves. They had things like gladiators who would go out there and literally kill animals and each other to entertain crowds. And so when you have the superiority of amusement, the idea that amusement is, in fact, the most important thing that we should be looking for, you know that we are focusing on a period in decline. Many of you may have heard the term bread and circuses. It is the opiate of the masses. Long before any uh, Karl Marx ever talked about giving them uh, religion, which in fact is a way to, I think, help the masses find purpose, bread and circuses was the Roman answer to this problem. You had a bunch of people sitting around on the streets with nothing to do. The empire had gotten to the point where it was not going to expand any further. And they're wondering, how do we entertain these people from destroying what we have going on? All right. How do you keep these people? How do you keep these people entertained? And when that becomes the focus of government 
and the focus of the sort of great people in the society, that is a, a, a innate sign of decline, the superiority of amusement. And in order to demonstrate that point, we're going to talk about Cardi B a little bit. Uh, Ryan's telling me we've got over 700 people that are watching right now in the live chat and watching on Rumble. If you have not given us a like, we would really appreciate that. If you'll just scroll on down to where that thumbs up is, you can see it down on the screen right now. Click on the thumbs up until it's highlighted green on Rumble. If you're doing it on another uh, channel, you can do that as well. And if you're enjoying what you hear, by the way, share this thing when you're done. We do appreciate that kind of stuff. So let's talk about Cardi B. It's not a thing I want to do very often, but uh, today we'll do it. Uh, I find this to be one of the most repulsive people, but uh, definitely a sign of empire in decline. I'm going to go back first before we do that to a time in my childhood when somebody got canceled. And for all for all intents and purposes, this was a relatively wholesome group of guys. This is Millie Vanilli. <laughs> you guys who are older will remember this. I remember this from my childhood very vividly. This was the end of their career. I'm going to play you a video that ended their career. And then we're going to show something that didn't even cause a speed bump for Cardi B. So let's play uh, video clip number three real qu quickly. <laughs> so that's a good throwback for you on a Monday morning. Uh, if you don't know who Millie Vanilli is, Millie Vanilli was those two gentlemen you saw with the long dreads, the braids on stage that were famous for lip syncing. Now they got canceled for a second reason as well. And, and, and that was the fact that they were not actually the vocals behind that vocal track you heard, but they were famous for lip syncing on stage. And they got caught. Many people have done lip syncing. It's not anything new. But it was the end of their career because they failed while they were on stage. There was a skip in the hard drive that was playing that song. And that was the end of Millie Vanilli. And now we see people getting famous on TikTok for doing exactly what those guys did unapologetically. Not their song, not their voice, dancing and lip syncing. And that makes people literally tens of thousands of dollars a month occasionally. Bizarre, absolutely bizarre world. But that was enough for Millie Vanilli. And now we're going to play a couple of horrific uh, videos from Cardi B. So before we do that, if you know anything about Cardi B, she's a former stripper who has uh, made self-admitted uh, allegations of, of assault, sexual assault, and, uh, and robbery and theft from her, her johns when she was also prostituting herself around. Pretty awful stuff. So her language is about on par with what do you expect from a street prostitute. She's a, a really nasty creature who now entertains tens of thousands of people at a time. So if you have children, time to turn this thing down. We're going to play it. I think it's necessary to play this kind of disgusting stuff so you can see what we are fixated on as a culture. And if you tell me that this is a culture that is healthy, um, then please put that in the comments and, and explain to me how you come to that conclusion. We're going to go to video clip number four. This is Cardi B uh, doing exactly what Millie Vanilli did, which is to say she keeps the, the audio track of her singing keeps going despite the microphone. You'll see what happens. Go ahead and roll that clip number four for me. All right, so uh, we'll play it one more time because I want you guys to get a really good uh, look at this. If you're hearing the audio track and you are not watching this, what you missed is in the first three seconds of this video, the microphone leaves her hand because someone splashes some water on her 
and she throws the microphone into the crowd at someone. And yet the audio continues unabated. Okay. So we'll do it one more time. I want to play this thing just so people get a look. And then we're going to cover why, in fact, the the, uh, the water was thrown on her, because that seems like that might be a good reason to throw a microphone at somebody. Uh, play it one more time if you would, Ryan. Okay. So there you go. That's the Millie Vanilli cancel moment. And yet nobody is asking for her to go away. Nobody is saying that she's a fake, even though she is. Now, why in the world would somebody throw a glass of water or ice or anything like that on this woman who's up there dancing around in a sort of a negligee? She's wearing like a uh, a see-through bottom and, and this uh, kind of bustier-looking top, and it's bright orange. Well, let's see. We've got video clip number, what number is that? Number five. I want you guys to look. The language here is atrocious, so once again, cover your ears if you have small children. Let's, uh, let's roll that one, video clip number five. Put that shit in my pussy, bitch. Come on. Yeah, bitch. Sexy lady, baby, who you say? Thank you, everybody. I just passed my pussy, not my face, bitch. I'm gonna go over there and party with y'all. Horrible. Absolutely disgusting. Like every time I see her, I, I, I'm more nauseated. Uh, Ryan sent me a couple other videos, which I won't play because they were so profane and so vulgar and disgusting that, that, that like, look, I was enlisted in the military and you're not going to hurt my feelings. And you're certainly not going to surprise me with gross language, but coming out of a woman that looks like that, uh, it's just, there's some different level to it. And it's really nasty. She was asking people to splash her in the pee. And she was holding her buttocks towards them and spreading her legs so that people could splash water on her because apparently that's your stick. And there's nothing grosser to me than, than just prostituting herself in front of these people like that. I don't know. I find it nauseating. Maybe that's entertaining to you. Maybe that sounds like good music to you. Probably not if you're listening to our show. Look, there's a lot of people that had talent and have said some profane things. There's nothing arguing against that. I don't know what the talent is in what she's doing. I don't see it. I don't know why people are there. But there's an awful lot of people. That's the bread and circuses, in my opinion. That is when we have degraded morally to a point where that's entertainment. And uh, we want to see someone not singing to you. She's not even singing or rapping or whatever it is she's doing. She's throwing a microphone and the audio track continues on. Like I said, in the 90s, that was the end of your career. Today, it's not even a blip. She's going to be all over Twitter. She'll be all over other social media sites. She'll have TikTok videos left and right, and people will laugh about it, and they will enjoy it, and they'll think that she's a queen because she decided to fight back when someone threw water and she threw a microphone. By the way, that microphone was probably hundreds of dollars. I don't know if you've ever bought audio equipment, but uh, pretty pretty awful. All right, we're done with Cardi B, folks. That's the end of it. That is uh, that is what they're, they're saying the American dream looks like. I see Rumble Rick up there with a $5 Rumble rant saying, hey, get that monster off the screen. You got it, Rick. We're done with Cardi B. Uh, I promise. That's probably one of the only times you'll ever see a Cardi B uh, piece on the Kyle Serafin show. I have zero love for it, but I do think that was trending news that was that was relevant to our topic, which is decline. All right, let's press on forward if we can, folks. Um, how do we end up in that state? How do you get there? And the answer is, is that our economy, our government, our military have sort of dropped off. The America has gone from a powerful country that was creating things, both agriculture, that land ownership was a sign of wealth, that uh, we had a, a group of people that were producing actual products. And as we discussed 
last night in this Twitter space, we are no longer that country. Agriculture and land ownership has actually gotten to the point where the least number of people are doing it to feed the masses. And that's how you end up with people that are just sitting on the streets, whether they're they're illegal immigrants or they are people in American uh, in the American workforce that are not doing it. They keep touting these numbers about unemployment. The Biden administration is so big on this. They're saying, oh, we have the lowest unemployment. It's only like under 4% right now. That's because a lot of people have dropped out of the workforce. They are not seeking work. There's no gainful employment. We got a Ryan laugh out of that one. Ryan knows the economic indicators are lies. That's what they do. If their mouths are moving, we know they're lying, right? And we all say that. But here's what we have. We've outsourced continuous um, violence by the state. We are paying mercenary groups. We're more than happy to do that. That was sort of the rise that we saw in the Iraq war when we were seeing uh, contractors, what they call private military contractors. That is a sign that the Romans did the same as well. You start hiring people that either came out of your own military and now in it for profit, or you hire foreign military operators to go and do your dirty work. In the case of the Roman Empire, they were hiring people that they had just conquered, if you can imagine how dumb that is. And obviously that didn't suit them very well. But the idea of the, the the power and the wealth of that country, which America built it on industry and based on being an economy where people you know created their own goods, the agrarian economy was in the South and the industrial in the North, that doesn't exist anymore. We can't build things in here because we have government agencies that are literally outlawing many of the government pro or many of the, the processes of manufacturing that you might expect. Uh, and I'm going to bring up one of our sponsors really quickly. Patriot Coolers has been called out to me. People have gone online and say, hey, it's not even made in America. And the answer is it's because they can't make it in America. They literally cannot make a double-walled uh, double steel tumbler in this country, a vacuum-sealed tumbler. It's not allowed by the EPA. So your government, without your permission, has told American companies that they are not allowed to compete against things. And so we outsource all this dirty work to places like China and India and developing nations in Africa. That is a sign of a nation in decline. They are no longer even functional. They are so leisure focused that they are unable to actually do things in their own nation that the, that the people in the nation look for. And then of course you end up with a government that is full of corruption. Now there's a term that many of you may be familiar with oligarchs. We always talk about that. The, the actual, the, the word is supposed to mean rule by the best, uh, similar to aristocracy, a rule by the, the small number. I'm sorry, our oligarchs is a small number, but oligarchs is actually not necessarily the right way to look at it. There's another term that my father-in-law loves using and it's called plutocrats. And plutocrats are people that have power because they have wealth. It means the wealth gives them power. That's not always the case. There are people that have power because they had military might, because they were able to raise an army. Some of that has to do with money. Some of it has to do with charisma historically. But plutocrats specifically have power because of money. You can think of like a Michael Bloomberg, who was a billionaire and then was able to become the mayor of New York and probably wasn't the worst mayor until uh, you know he did allow the first steps towards decline. So think about things like that. Plutocrats is a thing that you should be uh, putting into your lexicon to think about the way these people look. Let's talk about Chris Ray for a second, because we've brought this up before, but it should absolutely blow your minds. Chris Ray was making $9.2 million a year as a lawyer working on behalf of Republican causes. One of those people was Chris Christie. Now, I haven't weighed in a lot because it's not my business and I'm not an expert by any means on the presidential or the, the primaries that's going on in the, in the GOP. I'm not a registered Republican and I won't be when I register in Texas. I'll be an independent again. And I, I'm just kind of watching. It doesn't really matter in Texas for what I vote, I, as far as I can tell. I'm pretty sure Trump takes it away. And yet, think about guys like Chris Christie who think they can be in the race, who look very similar to like an old Jerry Nadler. I don't even know how you could disrespect yourself physically so much and be involved in that. And yet we've got this guy... And he recommended Chris Ray. That should be a fatal wound to any campaign. 
a plutocrat, a true plutocrat, someone worth millions of dollars that is now the FBI director making $235,000 a year. That's a pretty substantial pay cut, folks. He's literally a rounding error on his old paycheck. And he claims that his wife doesn't like that he did the job. So why would you walk away from nearly 10 million bucks a year to go make less than a quarter of a million dollars a year, unless it's for power? And that's where Chris Ray is right now. He's one of the people wielding power. He'll obviously walk out of that job and be able to make millions again. So he's not fair, uh, afraid of that. He didn't even move his whole family up to where he's supposed to be working. This is a plutocratic sort of move. They, do, they can't even deign to be in the place where they have to do the job that they've signed up to do because they have such distaste for the people that put them there. It should make you all doubt very much what's going on. Um, beyond corruption, you end up with things like the degradation of public health. This is something that we've all seen. Substance addictions and abuse, uh, unintentional society poisonings. We have things like mind viruses right now, the trans movement that is killing children, that is hurting people's minds. And most importantly, we have parents that are so dedicated to it because they've abused their child and they are now pot committed to it that we are going to be have a hard time ridding ourselves of that sign of decline. Look at the fentanyl overdoses that are going on in this country. These are all signs of decline. And, and, and honestly, former President Trump has pointed this out very accurately. I think anybody rubbing, running on the uh, Republican ticket is agreeing that that's out there. This is, these are signs of decline. This is when people have no function. Bread and circuses can only amuse you so long, and then you end up in the degradation of public health in the form of plagues, diseases, and most specifically, substance addictions and abuse. Pretty sad stuff. And then, of course, inevitably, when you start doing that, you end up with a very stratified economy. And we're seeing that as well. The destruction of the middle class was not something they talked about the same way in Rome, but they are in fact talking about you know, the same sort of things in all the primaries right now. We're all seeing that happen in real time, that the middle class shrinks simply because there is no room for these people to be accommodated. There is high skilled jobs that are high tech and non-physical, and the, you know, they're, they're squeezing out the micro dirty jobs types of people who built this country in many ways. I'm going to get off the soapbox in some ways, but I just wanted to touch on these things. I think they're all they're all in the front of our minds, but if we can break them down into these five sort of pieces, um, then you can walk around with them and hold on to them. Again, I'm going to hit them again. It's the failure of education. It is the, the development and fixation on an ideology that is antithetical to the values of the country. Pleasure-seeking behavior or the, uh, the superiority of entertainment, the economy sort of uh, getting away from the fundamental goods that built up the country and this outsourcing of the military, Corruption is part of that, obviously, and, uh, and then the degradation of public health when you start doing the bread and circuses, and lastly, the stratification of the economic system, which basically puts everybody towards the bottom. All sad stuff, all things that we are dealing with in a big way, uh, we should be aware of them. We should, be, uh, we should be voting based on the idea that people are talking about the real problems that we face. And how do we get there? How do we get these people out? I think that's something that is that is sorely missing. And so I want to bring up a couple of other uh, pieces here. We're going to bring up something from Open Secrets right now. This is topic number five, Ryan. If you'll bring it up, there's a couple of different pictures. We'll scroll through them. This is the advantage of the incumbent. Many of you are familiar with the idea that once somebody gets into office, it's very hard to get them out. The idea of primarying somebody, very difficult. Why is that though? And I'm going to go ahead and just read. This is a tiny graphic. Most of you will not be able to read it. So allow me to just bring it up here on my screen. This tells you in the 2021-22 Senate races only specifically, all right, it's going to tell us the number of the amount of money raised versus the challenger. If you were an incumbent and you were reelected, they raised $29 million to the just over $2 million raised by the number of candidates who were going out to challenge them. Now, here's the real crazy part. The incumbents, uh, that $29 million is raised by 28 people. 
28 people, an average of a million dollars a piece. The average total raised, I guess it looks like, uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> they averaged $29 billion a piece. So your total raising was actually $830 million for 28 candidates. And then who was challenging them? The challengers made up 183 people that tried to primary these folks or ran against them in the general. And they were able to raise an average of $2 million each, which led up to $390 million. I'm rounding here. $390 million across 183 people versus $830 million against 28 candidates. Do you see why this is so difficult? Obviously, a third of the Senate turns over every two years. So that cycle, we are looking at more than twice as much money raised by like one-fifth of the candidates. It's maybe even worse than that, 30, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to do quick math in my head, 28 versus 183. There is so much more money being raised by the incumbents. Let's go on to the next graphic, if you would. This is going to be the, uh, the, the incumbent situation in the House races. So the House races, um, they were, this is also 2021. It's the, uh, sorry, I should tell you what topic we're on here, Ryan. This is going to be topic number four, if you would, my friend. So topic number four, what we see is House races 2021, 2022, again, a much smaller number of incumbents, 405 people running. Average raising there was $2.8 million, actually more than $2.8 million. They raised $1.1 billion between those 405 incumbent candidates. And the challengers, which numbered 1,225, were only able to raise an average of 307,000. The total amount raised was $376 million. So $376 million versus $1.1 billion. And once again, we have 3X, that's actually what's pretty easy math. We had three times as many challengers raising a third of the money, a little bit more than a third of that money. That's why it's so hard to primary people. People do not understand the advantage that it is. Once somebody is in, they're there. Can we go to the Open Secrets, uh, uh, the website? Do we have that pictured up there as well? I can't remember if we actually pulled that thing up. Yeah, scroll. There it is. Perfect. That's good. Right there. The incumbent advantage. So how does it work? How does it, the odds of winning? This is something you can take to Vegas. When you are the incumbent and you are working in the, uh, it looks like in the House, you have a 91% chance of being reelected. And in the Senate, apparently it looking about like 84% reelection odds. Those are betting odds in Vegas. Every day of the week, you are talking about uh, the highest percentage chance. These are so much better than what you would normally put all your money on. A 91% chance of winning, of course you're going to win. It happens over and over again. And so once you get into that office, it's pretty much game over for someone trying to come after you. And one of the reasons is because they have access to the position, which allows them to fly around. Imagine the staff they get. They're able to go on the taxpayer dollar. They're able to round up all of the promotional materials. They are able to contact you through a process called franking. I don't know if we put something up on franking, but many people don't know about this. Um, there's a, a topic number seven actually is right there. There's an entire congressional report that was done in 2016 on the privileges of franking. Uh, historically, this was the biggest thing, but um, now the staff is actually the biggest because you have a staff that'll do your social media, that will go out and do all the stuff. But going back even before all the social media and the digital media stuff, we had this thing that was called franking. And franking still exists. It's still something that is out there in the congressional ability set. And it allows people to directly mail their constituents for nothing. They can use the United States Postal Service. You wonder why the US Postal Service is always so well thought of by our elected officials. The privilege of franking allows members of Congress to transmit mail under their signature without paying postage. And it's existed since colonial times. Like this is an old type of idea. But many people don't understand what a frank is. And it literally is the signature carries the weight of, of postage. Now, there's they can't do campaign specific stuff. 
And this has been suspended at various times. They've done restored. They actually expanded it. I want to say they expanded it in the 80s to include the vice president. So the vice president actually has, when did they, they expand that? Oh, sorry, <laughs> I'm way off. Uh, 1792, they expanded that to the vice president, who's obviously also a member of the Senate. Listen, they can actually send things via mail for nothing, which means they can tell you about the achievements, quote unquote achievements. They can highlight their name. This is the biggest thing, name recognition on the ballot. And they can push all of the, uh, the talking points in a way that has to do with what I'm doing for you with your money, but it's a campaign ad even though it's not explicitly saying vote for me, it is building awareness. And so when people go, what are the talking points about my candidate? The talking points are coming from things like this. So if you're getting direct mail from your congressional representative, either in the House or the Senate, they're not paying for it. They have almost unlimited access to it. And there's this whole commission on franking that is supposed to evaluate like six to 9,000 you know, different uh, items of mail that are sent out to make sure that they're within the codes and the statute as far as what they can do. But first of all, we're talking about government employees. And second of all, it's very easy to get around it because this is all about whether or not they can get their message and their name to you. All of the advantages of the office. I mean, imagine if you're a, a congressional candidate like um, like Victor Avila, uh, um, uh, Avila rather, who came on our show. He can't call a press conference and have people show up, but somebody who just took a vote on something or wants to speak out can literally stand on the steps of the Capitol, call a press conference and get free publicity for themselves. That's in addition to the amount of money that they're able to raise because they're already in the position to do something. So- very dangerous stuff to know that we almost have no chance of getting people out. We have to continue to be aware of how these processes work. Otherwise, we are going to actually end up just failing. Lastly, I want to talk about that's sort of the internal threat the uh, and, and having all these migrants inside. We've actually brought in and imported more problems, and I promise to touch on this as well since we did it last night. Let's bring up, a, uh, let's bring up topic number eight, if you would. This is an article from NBC. We're going to kind of work backwards here. This is the, uh, the only mainstream news coverage I saw of this. This is the Chinese threat that is happening within our country. Now, I used to work Chinese counterintelligence, so I have a little bit of an understanding on this. I'm certainly not an expert, but I know more than most people having worked on the back end of what the government does. This article from uh, NBC News should be everywhere, and I've only seen it in this one single mainstream news outlet. CDC detects coronavirus, HIV, hepatitis, and herpes at an unlicensed California lab. The CDC found uh, 20 potentially infectious agents at the warehouse in Fresno. This was written on July the 27th, four days ago, by Doha Madarni, I don't know, or uh, Madney. Let's just kind of scroll through it here. If we can bring up the picture of the warehouse, I think we actually have that somewhere on the screenshot. It's at the bottom of that page, if you're able to bring it up just a little bit there, Ryan. This warehouse is not a nice looking place. It's in Reedley, California, which is in the San Joaquin Valley. It's in Central California. Um, they called it Fresno County on this. I think that the uh, the original reports I saw from the local from the local areas were saying that that it was actually from uh, San Joaquin Valley. Regardless, we're talking about a a laboratory that if we'll bring up uh, number nine, the screenshot number nine, what's in there? It said certain rooms of the warehouse were found to contain several vessels of liquid that actually numbered something like forty eight, and they were all um, they were all multi gallon pieces of uh, uh, multi gallon. Uh, containers holding this liquid. So various apparatus, they had like an entire lab set up there. They're, that's that's the warehouse folks that are looking at it. It does not look like a place where you want to be doing biological testing to me. <laughs> this is the opposite of what we expect from like a biohazard lab. Uh, the Fresno County, I guess it is Fresno County, public health staff observed blood, tissue, other bodily fluids, samples, and serums, thousands of vials of unlabeled fluids, unknown and suspected biological materials, hundreds of mice. They found 900 what they called humanized mice, which means that they had been injected to develop the, uh, an ACE inhibitor, which means you can do some human testings on these mice. Uh, the city took 
possession of these 900 animals. They had to euthanize 773 of them. 175 were already dead in the experiments that they had been doing. They were just dead mice sitting here, stacked up with biological injections. And this, in theory, was a lab that was supposed to be turning out pregnancy tests and COVID-19 detection kits. So that's what they claimed that they were there for. Move on to the next uh, screenshot, if you would. They claimed that they were doing that, and yet they had mice that were humanized, that were developing human um, human characteristics so they could test certain types of infectious diseases. They found E. coli there. They found, obviously, SARS-CoV-2, so uh, COVID-19. Uh, they said there were at least 20 different potentially infectious agents, coronavirus, HIV, hepatitis, herpes, and so on. That's what a dangerous biolab looks like. It's on U.S. soil. I mean, it's literally sitting on U.S. soil. This is a company that was registered in Nevada. It was not licensed for business in California. Uh, they talked to the owner of the company through emails and court documents and so on. They shut this thing down. So what is the biggest point that I'm taking away here? Can we move on to the next screenshot? The scariest thing for me is that there you go. There's, uh, they're talking about it in Reedley, California. Okay, one more screenshot. Sorry, that's the 900 mice. This is just a couple of different news stories. These are all very local, by the way. It's from the California Globe. You've never heard of them. Um, also, the Midvale Times was the only other places. If you go look for this, unlicensed Chinese biolab, you're going to see very, very little about it. There's not much going on there. So why is this shady company being allowed to operate inside uh, in this supposedly empty building in, in an area? And why was it enforced only by code enforcement officers? They literally saw a garden hose attached to the building and it wasn't supposed to have anyone in it. Can you imagine how shady this thing is? And then they came into it and they saw that. So the last little piece there is the, uh, the level of uh, federal cooperation. If you'll scroll through to the next uh, screenshot, Ryan, what we're looking at here is that where's the FBI in this? Where is the group that has promised us that they are going to be involved in looking into protecting the American people? That's what we keep hearing. It's actually a topic number 14, my friend. If you pull up that, there's another shot of the, the warehouse just for you to see it. Here's the deal. Multi-agency participation, the person that was interviewed said they'd never seen anything like this. I want to read you the list that says they were eventually, eventually involved, but not the people who went and disposed of this stuff. The CDC, the FBI, and the State Department and uh, Department of Toxic Substances, those were not listed in the original reports. The original reports simply said that the California Public Health Department and that the uh, Fresno County Department of Public Health were involved in this. This was a code enforcement discovery. Now, why does the FBI not know that there's a bio lab that is operating in the middle of Central California? Because the FBI is too busy doing the things that are the bread and circuses crowd. They're too busy trying to quell domestic dissent instead of doing the jobs of the foreign threats. Uh, this person, uh, Luciani, who's, who's uh, someone that was interviewed as one of the assistant directors with the, the county health department, said he's never seen anything like this. They've never been part of this. 26 years with the county, never come across a similar situation or heard any counterparts deal with this. This is fairly unprecedented. And yet, the only reason it was found is because a code enforcement person actually did their job a local law enforcement person, like I said, it's always local law enforcement that's going to be doing the things that are keeping you safe. If the FBI was shut down, you'd never know about this, and they wouldn't do anything about it. Scary stuff for me, uh, especially having looked back on what these people do and knowing that it's out there. I'll leave you with a little clip from uh, Fight Club. I think this is one of the the, uh, the ways that described the way that I was growing up. This was a big deal when I was in, in uh, college. We've actually gotten worse than this. If you'll play video clip number nine, I think it sums up a lot of these uh, the frustrations of what people are looking at. And uh, we have only a couple ways out of it. So go ahead and play uh, clip number nine, if you would. Man, I see in Fight Club the strongest and smartest men who've ever lived. I see all this potential. And I see it squandered. God damn it, an entire generation pumping gas, waiting tables. 
Slaves with white collars. Advertising has us chasing cars and clothes. Working jobs we hate so we can buy shit we don't need. We're the middle children of history, man. No purpose or place. We have no great war. No great depression. Our great war is a spiritual war. Our great depression is our lives. We've all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars, but we won't. And we're slowly learning that fact. And we're very, very pissed off. It's a great scene. If you haven't seen the movie Fight Club, that's what you're missing. Of course, it's a book as well. You can go read that. But one of the one of the great sort of soliloquies done by Brad Pitt's character, and I think it summed up a lot of the uh, disaffected youth feelings that happened uh, in, in men that are my age. I, I remember watching this when I was like a late teen or maybe in my early 20s, and and very much that message still resounds. I think with a lot of the youth today, they're looking for a purpose, they're looking for a reason, and they're being being given bread and circuses, they're being given Cardi B, they're being given a uh, federal law enforcement agency that's too busy going after Catholics at church that like Latin mass. He talks about it being a spiritual war. It is a spiritual war. We are literally in in that war. And Joe Biden's not wrong when he said we're at war for the soul of this country. I just think that uh, his vision of that soul is dark, twisted, and red. And that's a really scary thing to think about. We should be looking at red, white, and blue, the American uh, dream. So go out there and meet your neighbors. Go out there and focus on the things that matters, as my friends at Catholic Vote say, faith, family, and freedom. They literally... They literally cannot take those things away from you, and they are they are easy for you to go and obtain. You have to exercise your freedom. You have to go and exercise your faith. You can't let it be shut down by any sort of infectious disease or or uh, anyone telling you that you cannot go into a church and uh, your you know your faith and your friendship and all these things. They, they, they can all be exercised. They're muscles that if you don't use them, they will atrophy. And we saw that in 2020 and 2021. I harp on this a lot. You've been given the warning shot. You've been seeing what they want to do with you. So it's up to you to continue to exercise this. We're going to end it right there for today. We're coming to you live from Liberty Hill, Texas. Folks, if you are sitting in the live chat and you have not given us a thumbs up, a like, and you've stuck with us for this show, please do so. Scroll on down, give that thumbs up. We do appreciate it. You can find us, if you're watching us anywhere else, the live chat is at rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Share that link to today's show on your favorite social media platforms. We're going to say thanks. First of all, we want to say thanks to you for listening. We do really appreciate it. This show does grow because of y'all and because of the five-star reviews like this one that came in on Tuesday. Uh, it comes from Chuck. L. And Chuck is in New York City, of all places. He says, unbridled honesty, five-star review. In a dismal state in global history, I truly welcome the point of view of a professional, still retaining a sense of, dare I say it, ellipses, ellipses, patriotism. And that is our friend Chuck Lairdo in Manhattan. Thanks so much for that, Chuck. We do really appreciate it. And uh, honestly, there's no reason... To, to be sad about these things, what we need to do is we need to get focused and we need to take action. And one of those is understanding the threat more in front of us. We're at almost 620 five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts with a 5.0 rating that beats out almost anybody out there. Folks, give us one of those five-star reviews. The uh, link is below in the show notes. Wherever you're listening, you can literally scroll down and see it. Click right through, give us that five-star review on Apple, and we do really appreciate it and share this thing along. We'll say thanks to uh, Ryan Matta, again, doing fantastic work behind the scenes, rolling video, creating intros, doing all of the things that you guys are seeing and appreciating. Follow him on Twitter. It's at Ryan Media. 
at Ryan Matta Media, sorry, M-A-T-T-A, Ryan Matta Media. Ryan, do you want to tell people about the show that you're running now and, and the time that's on Rumble as well, if they want to get up early? Yeah, me and Anna are doing, uh, me and Anna Perez, uh, she's also one of my co-hosts on LFA TV. Uh, we're going to be running a show every morning at 6.30 a.m., just going to be breaking down trending topics, just having some conversations, you know, mainly about the content that the mainstream media doesn't want to talk about. So it'd be great to see everybody over there. Again, 6.30 a.m., come join us. Thanks, Kyle. What is it? Is it Ryan? It's uh, rubble.com slash Ryan Matta. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes, sir. All right, folks. So you can find him if you're early. Probably not a, good for the California crowd, but for those of you who are on the East Coast, you can get up and uh, take. you can start your day with Ryan. And Anna Perez is probably one of the most undervalued assets in the news market right now. She's incredibly professional. She's bold. She's fearless. And uh, they make a great team. So we've been talking about... Uh, you know, trying to find out where she's got some space. I've been on her show and I, I really do appreciate what she's got. So if you're looking for more content in the morning, something to get you fired up right away, go check them out again at Ryan's channel. Uh, folks, thanks for joining us today. We will see you again tomorrow. We've just decided, uh, or I've just been forced into, I don't know which one it is. We're going to go five <laughs> days a week right now. So the Kyle Serafin show will now be streamed five days a week. That means I got more work to do. Ryan has bitten off uh, all the things he can chew right now. We look forward to seeing you tomorrow morning. Uh, we'll see you then. Thanks for listening to the Kyle Serafin Show, streamed live weekdays on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter, Truth Social, and Instagram at Kyle Serafin.